Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today. As I look outside the window, I see, once again, it's raining. It's raining? That's weird. <laughs> um, and I mean, we're in Seattle, so everyone's like, duh. But this year has been the wettest on record? Really? Yeah, the wettest winter, I think, on, on record. Oh. Yeah, I think I saw something recently that if we didn't get any more rain at all, not one drop for like the next six months, we would still be, I don't know. Something. We're doing all right. We made up for our drought last year. Yeah, we are. That's <laughs> good. We'll have a nice snowpack this year, which will be important for the summertime anyway. Well, it's wet out, but it is a great day to take your dog for a walk nonetheless. You just might want to put on a slicker. Yeah. You just need the right gear. Maybe you, your dog needs a raincoat too. Yeah. You can find a doggy slicker. Does Abby the Beagle um, hate the rain or is she, she okay does with not it? like it? She doesn't, yeah. <laughs> no, even though she has a slicker, she still is not happy about it. And when she goes out uh, to do her business in yeah. the backyard, now I have to take her out with an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my dachshund is like that. My other dogs don't care so much, but my dachshund is like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going outside. I have a little present for Abby. I got some, uh, picked up some beef tripe Ooh, samples. She will like that, I'm sure. And uh, these are, um, I use lamb tripe freeze-dried. This is a different company um, than what I usually use for like my highest of high value rewards, like when I'm doing nose work or if I have a dog who I'm actually going to be talking about one of them today who's maybe particularly fearful or something like that and they're food motivated. These the dogs, and you'll you'll know why when you smell them. The dogs go nuts for them. So mm. I've got a little packet of uh, goodies for you to take home to Abby. Oh, well, thank you very much. Help On cheer. behalf of her, I'm gonna say thank you very much. Yeah, help <laughs> cheer her up in this rainy weather. Yeah, since she hates it so much. <laughs> I'll, I'll use those to lure her outside. Yeah, there to do you her go. Business. Yeah. Well, we've got the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show coming up this weekend, so I'm busy getting myself ready. We'll have a booth there, um, as usual, all weekend long. This will be our seventh year there at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We'll be smack in the middle of everything in that main intersection um, right off of Ring 2, I believe it is. So be sure to come by and pick up a free car sticker and say hi and get some candy and we'll have some other goodies at the booth. Uh, so be sure to come by and say hi if you listen to the show. I love to meet listeners in person. I'm actually a very extroverted person in my life and um, uh, have maybe too many friends because we never have time to see everybody. But I love meeting people in person and that's one thing that I don't get to do um, You know, on the radio is really see my listeners so please do come by and say hi. i would really love to meet you if you do uh go to the seattle kennel club dog show this year um 8 a.m it starts and it goes until about 5 p.m there will be a best in show awarded at the end of each day so it's like kind of like two separate shows as far as the confirmation goes which is what you'll see with the dogs uh, sort of trotting around the rings by breed and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on all day, both days as well. There's agility, um, agility trials happening. That's so fun to watch. Lots of really great demonstrations going on. 
all weekend long and meet the breeds up top, lots of great organizations with representatives, sort of ambassadors of different breeds. Um, really, really fun event. So definitely check it out. And then there's a lot of really fun uh, vendor booths and retail and uh, dog breed specific socks and all sorts of stuff. So it's really fun for dog enthusiasts. And it's a family friend, family friendly event, too. I'm going to, at the end, sort of the last segment of today's show, I'm going to run a um, conversation that I had a couple years ago with a woman named Heather Gould. And her son, Corey, is a little boy with Asperger's syndrome who was featured in a documentary called For the Love of Dogs. And Corey um, discovered the world of dogs and dog breeds and dog shows so I'm airing this in honor and celebration of this year's Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show this weekend. And um, he, you know, is a brilliant little boy and memorized pretty much everything there is to know about dog breeds and former champions of dog. I mean, it's really, really something special. And uh, there was a documentary made about him. And so I got to talk with his mom a couple years ago on the show and uh, so we'll be airing that at the end of the show. You have that to look forward to. And I'm excited to announce that we will be welcoming Temple Grandin back on the show um, in May. And uh, we won't be doing a live show this time, but I'll be talking with her um, at the beginning of May. We'll do a pre-recorded show and then we'll air it um, sometime soon after that, I'm sure. So I'm really excited to announce that. It was definitely a highlight for me. If you haven't heard my interview with her, it was really, really great and um, such an honor to talk with her. And that was March 4th, so just about a year ago, um, March 4th of last year. So if you go into our archives, you can easily find that show and listen to my interview with her if you haven't heard it yet, or maybe you want to hear it again. It was really fun. And uh, you can listen to all of our shows archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. And you can also find us on iTunes as a free audio podcast. And uh, we also post all of our shows on SoundCloud. So if you are a fan of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook, then you'll get um, all of the shows as they come up weekly. I'll post them there as well. So lots of easy ways to listen in addition to our live shows here on KKNW. So I wanted to talk about... Um, oh, before I move on from the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show... Um, there And I actually talked with Temple Grandin about this um, in my first interview with her, that there's a pig, a pet pig named Amy, who is going to be competing again this year in obedience. And she did last year, and that was so fun to watch. Uh, Family Dog Training Center is one of the uh, groups that has a, a sort of demonstration both days, and they had a whole bunch of dogs, uh, sort of a class of dogs performing all of these tricks, they actually did a skit that was really cute. And uh, they had a pig uh, participating and uh, actually participating in the training as well. So Amy the pig will be there as well, um, participating in family dog trainings uh, demonstration. And you can find out when that will be and all the details of the event at seattledogshow.org. You can also get to it through the Seattle Kennel Club's website as well, seattlekennelclub.org. So check that out. And every time that she performs, they say, that'll do, pig. Yeah. it's It was uh, my, the thing that was most impressive to me was how the other dogs around her were, there was no, um, 
no mention of the fact that they were working with a pig. They were just like, <laughs> whatever, you know, like just doing all their stuff around her. And no, I, no pig prejudice. Though. No, no pig prejudice. That's, That's good. Right. We can learn something from dogs. That's right. It's okay to be different, right? Um, another event, this one's not coming up till June, but the Vashon Sheepdog Classic, another one of our favorite events every year. This year is June 9th through the 12th. So it's a little bit earlier this year than it has been in the past. So mark your calendars. You do not want to miss this event. It's on Vashon Island, which is just west of Seattle. And you get to see mostly border collies uh, in a sheep herding trial. And it is just a beautiful way to spend the weekend. Trust me, you're going to love it. And there's a whole bunch of local vendors, a fiber arts village that demonstrates all sorts of stuff that you can do with wool. Um, We'll be there, of course. We'll have a booth. There's local food. There's a beer garden. And then, of course, watching uh, one of the quintessential examples of sort of the human canine connection as uh, we go back in years, uh, watching these dogs helping us manage livestock is really, really something special to see. So definitely check that out. VashonSheepdogClassic.com for more information on that event this year, June 9th through the 12th. So um, wanted to talk about a few different things before um, I air my interview with Heather Gould about her son, Corey. Um, I was in Florida last weekend for a very short visit, uh, visiting my Nana, who is... um, and I was just remembering, Eric, do you remember when she called into the show when she was like 98, I think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember which one that was, but she's, uh, March 22nd will be 102. Wow. I know. And uh, we visited her and she's, unfortunately, we're working to see if we can get her uh, in a different place and maybe even try to move her out here mm. uh, if possible. But she's in a nursing home right now that we're not too crazy about. Um, in the memory ward, uh, because she's 102, basically. Um, she doesn't have Alzheimer's or anything. But So we I, you know, went down there to visit her, and my mom and I were just spending time with her you know, throughout the days that I was there and just visiting her and keeping her company and playing cards and all that kind of stuff, what, what we've always done with her. And I was watching, you know, we were sitting outside. It was you know, nice and warm, of course. We're in Florida. And some of the other residents who I think were suffering from you know, Alzheimer's or dementia um, were, there was one man in particular who was outside sort of wandering around and, and he, he was kind of looking for a way out, uh, looking to see if he could get out of this, you know, the gate or out the door, which you need a code to open and um, all that kind of stuff. But he was sort of not, not fully there mentally. I mean, he was obviously compromised by, by some, um, some disease. Um, but then he was um, just kind of wandering around, trying to figure out a way to get out. And then there was a fan or something that, like a big rubber box fan, so it was kind of safe to have around that had a cord. And he was messing with the cord and uh, unraveling it and then coiling it up and then placing it on the table and then unraveling it and coiling it up again. And fitting it underneath the fan and, and just kind of messing with it, like tinkering with it. And he was just kind of keeping himself busy. And I was appreciative because one of the things that I've talked with, talked about probably the most frequently over the years on the show and certainly with my clients is how important it is for dogs to have a constructive outlet for their mental energy. And 
you know, I was watching this guy and, and he's he's obviously compromised mentally and um but that he was really needing something to be busy with. And I was wondering what he did when he was younger, you know, what what did he do for work and what did he fix things or, you know, that kind of thing. But I was just appreciating the need that conversation that that need constructive outlet for their mental energy in that environment as well and i was thinking that just because these humans were compromised mentally with you know memory issues and stuff like that that i was just sort of wondering about their need for still to do stuff to have problems to solve to figure stuff out and how would that enrich their lives, uh, improve their experience at, at the very least of being there. And um, just kind of made that connection as I was hanging out in kind of a tough place to be. So um, I'll just sort of say it again that, you know, one of the most common causes or contributors at least to undesirable behaviors that I get called out for, uh, because that's my area of expertise. If you're new to the show, I do in home and over the phone consultations and lessons with people um, for dog behavior and training is that dogs have been living with people for 40,000 years is the most widely accepted number in science. That's a long time. And the nature of the relationship has really been working together. And that dogs these days in modern society, and I see this in Seattle for sure, is uh, you know one of the biggest problems that they have is that they're unemployed. They don't have anything to figure out or to they're sort of understimulated mentally. And one of the mistakes that we make is when we think about meeting our dog's exercise needs, that we think of only physical exercise and that we need to remember that there's a whole other half of that equation, which is extremely important, and that is the mental exercise. So engaging your dog's brain. Dogs are not given enough credit generally in our society for their ability to process and solve problems and, ha you know, have a thought process and think things through. And um, when you give them a constructive outlet for that, it can make a really, really remarkable difference in not only their quality of life, but also their behaviors too. So really encourage you to not just love on your dog and take care of your dog's needs, you know, physically, like health-wise and feeding good food like the natural pet pantry and stuff like that, but to engage your dog's brain, give them uh, problems to solve. And the one thing that you can do that all dogs can do is nose work because it is something that they all have is this fantastic sense of smell. And um, nose work is a, is a great, easy way to engage your dog's brain, and it's so fun, too. It's not, it's not in the context of obedience training. Um, so search for a nose work instructor in your area. I have interviewed a few times over the years Miriam Rose. Uh, so you can search her name in our archives if you want to learn more about nose work. I think learning about dog's sense of smell is fascinating because we really can't fathom what it's like to experience a dog's sense of smell. I mean, they can sniff out cancer cells even, um, I was at the airport going to Florida, and they've most of the times now that I'm at the airport, I see canine teams working, searching for, I don't know, fruit or explosives or something, But and they, they're good at it. And then I saw a video online. Eric, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there's a, it was KLM Airways, I think. I don't know where they're based out of, but I think it's somewhere in Europe. I think they're the, from the Netherlands. Yeah. And uh, 
they had a dog, a scent, like a scent detection dog. And if somebody left an article on the plane, they would show that there's a video of it. They would show the dog the article, like the phone or whatever mm-hmm. that had the person sent on it. And then send the dog out into the airport and like catch up with the person as they were walking towards, you know, baggage or whatever. Hmm. And be like, hey, you forgot this on the plane. <laughs> Isn't that, that awesome? That That is awesome, but yeah. it could also be kind of startling for the, yeah, uh, right? the passenger, ah, no doubt. I'm being I mean, run down by a dog. It, it's, <laughs> you know, it's startling enough when a human taps you on the shoulder <laughs> and says, hey, you, you forgot your whatever it is. And, yeah. Why is this dog, dog chasing me? Ah! Right? <laughs> I know. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about um, two German shepherds that I'm working with currently. Um, and then also some puppy information that I come across, uh, just kind of sharing my thoughts on some common um, techniques or styles that I'm not necessarily a fan of that have become popular these days around puppies, especially house training. So we've got some dog training and behavior chatting to do after we come back from this break. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Deary me, if it's not a duck that thinks it's a rooster, it's a pig that thinks it's a dog. The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud. Radio for your body, mind, and spirit. Alternative Talk, 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Someone I really could care, I really could care for. So I just learned that that's from the movie Babe, which somehow I have never seen. 
which is about a pig who competed in the dog uh, sheep herding trial, right? That's right, yeah. How have I not seen that movie? I don't know, but you need to watch it. It's I great. Guess so. Um, I was like, Eric, what is that from? <laughs> well, we were <laughs> talking about the agility pig, uh, no. Amy, and so... Yeah. Of course, there's Very going, similar to Babe. There's going to be a pig competing at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show this year again. Um, she was there last year, too. It was really fun to watch, so be sure to check that out. You can go to seattledogshow.org for information about that event. So I was talking a little bit before the last break about that need for mental energy and all that kind of stuff, and I've a need for a constructive outlet for mental energy for dogs, which I've talked about many times over the years. And um, I'm working with these two dogs right now, and I posted a picture of one of them on our Facebook page. So check us out on Facebook, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And they're two German Shepherds, and the family or the couple had had this female German Shepherd um, for a couple years, and she was um, obviously abused. Sometimes dogs act fearful in certain situations, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they have been abused. Sometimes they just were under-socialized, not exposed to novelty, or have a uh, sort of fearful temperament, so they can sort of behave in a way that might make people feel like maybe they were abused, but they never were. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, sometimes I see dogs who whose behaviors are clearly because they were mistreated. And uh, this is definitely the case, unfortunately, with Luna, and it just breaks my heart to, to witness the impact that that has on her now. But she's in a great place now and with people who love her and who are really committed to uh, helping her to be the best dog that she can be now. And she's a German Shepherd, and she's what I would call a high-drive German Shepherd, which means a sort of intense work ethic. Uh, when we say high-drive about a dog, it's sort of their their job description that they were bred for is uh, intense within them and comes out powerfully <laughs> and needs to come out so these high-drive dogs are the ones that you'll see, for example, the dogs at, you know, the airport sniffing for um, uh, fruit or explosives or whatever it is that they're searching for, dogs that are police dogs or, um, uh, you know, missing persons, uh, searching for missing people. Those kinds of dogs have a high drive because they need to in order to basically stay focused for that long and want to work for that long. And be comfortable working for that long. Sort of another angle to look at it. Anyway, Luna is a high-drive German Shepherd and was also um, messed with mentally and emotionally from her abuse. And then she has a, a new brother, a new younger brother, who is one year old, maybe a little bit older, male. And um, he is not, he does not, uh, is not compromised in the same way that she is. And um, so I had my initial session with with them all together, and then they they live with another older dog as well, who's not um, not in need of really any training from me. But I like to hang out with them. <laughs> um, so I had my initial session with them, and then we set up some regular training, which I do with some of my clients, 
every client is so different. So sometimes I meet with people just once or a few times sort of sprinkled here and there and they get all their questions answered, get some clarification about things and are good to go. And other times I meet with people who want or need more support and they want me to come and really help them and give them a boost to get their dog um, going as uh, quickly as possible and to get them sort of meet their goals as fast as they can to accelerate the process. And so I'll come and work with the dogs, you know, two or three times a week. And then, and then at the end of each week, have a meeting with the humans to show them what the dogs have learned, focusing on coaching the humans and um, getting their handling to where it needs to be, because that is certainly half of the equation and then give them their homework to practice over the weekend and then repeat in the second week. And, um, so this is what I'm doing with these two German Shepherds. And so I showed up yesterday morning for my first session um, with the dogs, you know, after our initial session where the humans were home and it was uh, nobody was home. And I went in through the garage where the where the dogs are in crates when the when the owners aren't home and they were barking uh, ferociously at me in their crates expectedly. Uh, you know, I knew that that's what I'd be walking into, but um, I was like thinking to myself, great. And now I get to let them out of their crates. And it's like, oh, man, you know, how many people would want to do that? Um, Better pull out the tripe treats. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which, uh, you know, you know, so I knew the background of the dogs and I kind of knew where they were coming from and had met them before and all that stuff. So I wouldn't wouldn't do that unless I had had some confidence about my safety, my actual safety, even though I was feeling, you know, I'm an animal too. So we, you know, kind of are forced to, especially in working with aggression, um, push, you know, I have to push my comfort level and uh, really connect to my intellect and my experience and, you know, know, remember what I know about dog behavior, especially around aggression and how it typically works so that I can work with it and be present to it and not just be like, ah, nope, and then leave, <laughs> which a lot of people would be inclined to do. So they're barking like crazy, and then um, the male dog calmed down pretty quickly, but then the female dog was just not not having it. And, of course, she has a history of abuse and is also a very intense, high-drive dog, and uh, she was just really, really rocking that crate. So I... Worked with, you know, let worked with the male first and just kind of felt my way through the interaction, interacting with her sort of from outside of the crate, got a sense for the tone of her barking and all that kind of stuff, and then got to the place where I did let her out of the crate and started working with her. And the thing that I want to point out about, like, why I'm talking about these two dogs, and really mostly the female is that this is something that I've seen over the years with, um, and not just herding breeds, but when I think about uh, when I think about dogs like her, I think about like this border collie that I worked with years ago, who was barking like crazy at me at the in the house in our first meeting. The owner like was afraid to even bring him in the house, and he was. She brought him in. I said, bring him in on leash and just hold the leash and don't let him go. So I was standing in the living room and he's barking like crazy at me, <laughs> like nuts. 
And then with Luna, like barking crazy at me in the crate. And, you know, how do I reach these dogs so that I can work with them? You know, I have to find some way to connect with them when when they're acting like this so that I can work with them. And the thing that these dogs have in common, and I see this so often, and especially with herding breeds, although it applies to other types of dogs as well, but I think it's most predict- most predictably with herding breeds and, and other like really working dogs, is that the access to establishing a relationship with the dog is through working with her. And so I let Luna out of the crate, started off by making her wait in the crate. So I just start right off working with her. So I open the crate door a little bit, tell her to wait, and then just immediately start praising her. Good wait, good wait, good wait. And then she's like, whatever. And then open the door. And if she started to try to come out, I would just close the door and say, no, wait, good wait, good wait, good wait. And then, okay. So there's a couple of things that are happening. And and I'm just like, as I'm processing this with you on the show right now, I'm curious about like, uh, why is working with the dog? Like, what does it do for the dog? And why, why is it a really powerful, successful way to connect with this individual who I'm trying to work with and ultimately heal in some ways and certainly provide the owners with some more tools uh, through the training. Um, There's something about working that working breeds and certainly herding breeds um, to generalize. Everybody's different. All dogs are different. So I am generalizing and I'm aware of that, but it is accurate. Uh, There's something about the working that like that they trust and it's and uh, it helps to make them feel more secure and it helps them to build trust in me because it's a way to be to establish that I'm consistent and that I'm predictable. And there's also, I think, just something for these dogs that really feels right to them, like in their bodies, because this is a high drive German Shepherd. These dogs are a dream to train because they're so smart and all they want to do is work. Not all dogs are like this. Not all dogs, you know, I think a lot of dogs are just generally mostly smart, but they don't all necessarily want to like really work for you and like, okay, like what are we doing? Some dogs just aren't as motivated to push themselves that far. I don't know what, you know, they just have different job descriptions. They want to kind of do what they want to do. Like my dachshund, if there wasn't food involved in training, she wouldn't be interested in doing it. She wants, what her job description is, is to use her nose and search for things that she wants. And she's awesome at that. If the job description is searching for things like, like doing nose work and stuff like that, she's totally game. But otherwise, obedience training why would we do that? That's boring. I don't want to have to think and work like that. So not all dogs really appreciate obedience training, but these working breeds and herding breeds for sure, like our cattle dogs, they're like, oh yeah, cool. What are we doing? Yeah. Give me direction. Okay, cool. I'll do that. Like they're, they're very, um, in, uh, inclined to do what you ask. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that with you. All they want. And in some cases they're desperate for work. So I just start off working with this dog 
having her waiting in her crate. So I'm not only establishing that I'm the one in control, because what they also want is a strong presence. And a strong presence does not mean a mean person. And that's something that this industry tends to collapse, is uh, strong presence equals, you know, punishment and all this sort of negative association. And that's not true. But these dogs want to be interacted with by someone who they respect. It helps them to feel secure. So I've only worked with this dog for two days now. I just had my second day today. And man, she has me sweating. I'm really having to fall back on my expertise with this dog, which I really appreciate. It makes me feel proud at the end of what I'm doing. Um, A lot of dogs, I mean, I love doing what I do. Um, A lot of dogs feel really easy to me because I've just worked with so many dogs over a long time. And uh, the challenging ones, I respect and appreciate them for really having me kind of on my toes and having to be aware of what I'm doing, very, very keenly aware and sort of draw on my expertise. So I've had two days with her, and she's just a really great example of this access to relationship. She's, She's loosened up a little bit around me. By the end of today's session, she was definitely more comfortable with me being in the room and you know, was was doing stuff with me. And I just I just framed our interactions through having her do stuff for me that she was inclined to do. Like she already knows to go in her crate. So I'd send her into her crate and then like reward her and then and then let her and then let her out and, you know, have her wait and then let her out and then be like, oh, you're so awesome. Because why am I working with this dog to build her confidence? That's why they are having me work with her so that they can have her they can have more control of her but also to build her confidence because of her history. So I work with her in a way that builds her confidence through work. And it's so powerful and um I'm really I'm going to be working with them over the next month uh a few times a week, several times a week over the next month. So I'll do an update uh later on about this dog um but uh she's She's great. And it, I just also, as I'm working with her, I just appreciate how uh, hard it is and how much, you know, the anger and sadness that I feel about the fact that she was mistreated by somebody who just doesn't know any better. Um, but at least she's in a happy place now. So I don't know, just kind of speaking to the value of work and the power of that. And that if you have a working breed, that your access to a deep relationship, building their confidence, building their trust and establishing a bond might be through working with them. So consider that if you feel like you're in this place with a, a similar dog. Um, so, Eric, I think it's time for a break, and then we're going to come back with my interview with Heather Gould, who's the mother of Corey, a young boy with Asperger's, whose connection with dogs has helped him to connect with people. Um, and then don't forget the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show is this weekend at CenturyLink Field Event Center. 8 to 5 p.m. Saturday and Sunday all day. And don't forget that Daylight Savings is this weekend as well. And uh, we'll be, uh, I'll be back next week live at 2 p.m. to recap the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show. And uh, thanks for listening. We're going to go to a break, and then we'll come back with Heather Gould. You ain't nothing but a The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, 
to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage on Vashon Island, we cover the world of animals. This week, March 13th, it's Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. As an animal behavior therapist and trainer, I'll answer your questions and help you resolve any behavior training or healing issues you've got going on with your animal friends. Plus, we'll talk with the creator of a new free app for doggy astrology, Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) Conscious living for conscious people. Alternative Talk 1150. The Dog Show is back with Julie Forbes. I have on the phone with us Heather Gould, who is the mother of Corey, who's a little boy with Asperger's, who was featured in a um, documentary that is sort of circulating around the country right now. Heather, welcome to The Dog Show. Thanks for having me, Julie. Yeah. So I um, don't remember, I think it was through Facebook that I saw this um, trailer for this documentary called For the Love of Dogs, and it's about your son, Corey, who has Asperger's. And how old is Corey now, 12? Uh, yeah, he'll be 13 in June. Okay, it's the same age as my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a really touching story, and it says that it's an ongoing documentary, um, but really about how dogs help Corey... In, re- in so many ways, you know, um, you know, to connect with people socially and also for his own benefit. It sounds like um, overstimulation is a real challenge um, for people with Asperger's and that, that really helps them to focus on something really intensely that they're passionate about. And Absolutely. it makes the world feel more manageable. So um, now how new is this film like just hitting the film festival's yeah, we're doing the film festival circuit currently. Uh-huh. Um, we entered, I think our first one was Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, which is where we live. And that was April 5th. Um, but we are getting so much buzz that we'll probably go into uh, part of 
of 2015 and hopefully make it to Sundance. Uh-huh. Um, we've got some really great support. So mm. that's kind of the goal. Now, how were you, were, were you dog people to begin with, or was this something that Corey really found on his own? No, actually, my husband and I were always dog people. Okay. We had a golden retriever uh, named Gus, who was our baby. And when Corey came home from the hospital, um, you know, he came home to, to Gus. Uh-huh. And we kind of shockingly lost him uh, mm. when Corey was about three, mm-hmm. the night before Thanksgiving. Mm. And at that time, Corey hadn't yet been diagnosed with Asperger's. Mm-hmm. He was just a really bright kid, but there was some kind of disconnect socially. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling our nanny at the time, um, because my husband and I both worked and we lived out on the East Coast, Mm -hmm. commuted and everything, that, you know, if while you're home with him, if he asks where Gus is, you know, just explain to him that he's gone to a better place. Well, a week went by before he even asked where the dog was. Mm. And I remember thinking that was odd, especially because Corey had such a passion for animals. Mm -hmm. He always wanted to go to the zoo. But it was wild animals only, and it wasn't until March of 2012 um, when we were, gosh, on our second golden retriever and now had a Labradoodle uh, that we got that March that he seemed to really find this interest and passion for dogs. Mm-hmm. He started recording every episode of Dogs 101. Mm-hmm on Animal Planet and watching old footage of Westminster, a national dog show, mm-hmm. and really just learning everything there was about every breed. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it was so exciting for us because we were dog people and he was finally finding yeah. a connection with them. Will you just in a um, sort of succinctly give people an idea of what it's what it's like for someone who has Asperger's or what it's like for Corey anyway, how is he, where does he excel and where is he compromised? Yeah. I mean, these, these children are exceptionally bright. Um, in fact, when we were going down the path of finding the diagnosis, they told us that they just thought he might be gifted. Uh-huh. So he's a very high IQ, but socially they just, uh, they have difficulty reading social cues, um, facial expressions, um, innuendo, um, you know, they're very literal about things. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes sarcasm is very difficult for them to, to get. Yeah. Um, and they have to be taught. They have to be taught to look you in the eyes when they speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, voice modulation, you know, he always very, very loud when he speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's, he does exceptionally well in school and always has. Uh, but socially, it's very difficult for a kid like him, especially in middle school now. You know, he hasn't been asked ever for a play date or mm-hmm. to come over to someone's house, um, mm-hmm. birthday parties, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. what I think is really amazing about him is that he's very comfortable with himself mm-hmm. and, and, and having, you know, his kind of own thing. I yeah. don't think he really enjoys... Being around a bunch of people, um, it kind of creates that overstimulation. For yeah. Um, now, so the challenges in reading facial expressions, body language, stuff like that. What does 
does that have anything to do with his experience of emotion? Like, the, you know, where he himself, within himself, does he experience emotion in a similar way to children who don't have Asperger's, or is that also different? Um, that's a really good question. I think he... I think he does have emotion, and I can't speak for all kids with Asperger's, sure. but for Corey, he's extremely sensitive. Um, he's very loving, loves to hug and, and, and be hugged and mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that I, I can remember when he was young, and if, like, I got hurt, mm-hmm. he wasn't going to turn around and say, are you okay, mommy? It's, empathy is very difficult for them to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to, if I sneeze, if you have to explain to him, you got to say, bless you, when someone sneezes, that's the polite thing sure. to do. If someone gets hurt, you ask, are you okay? Yeah. That kind of a thing. But there, the emotion is there. Yeah. There. Well, there was a part where he was right at the beginning where he was talking with, I think it was his therapist, about, he said, why does nobody like me? And he seemed yeah. like he was kind of bumming out a little bit. So it, it did seem like he, you know, he's he feels these things. It's just that it there's other ways that disconnect, like you said, like empathy or where it's about somebody else. It's harder for him connect, to connect to it. Yeah. Um. Now, one of the things that I thought was a little almost confusing to me, and I am really curious to hear your input on this, was... Like his challenges are, um, you know, among his challenges socially are reading body language, facial expressions, social cues, stuff like that. And one of the people on the documentary, which is called For the Love of Dogs, and I've posted a um, trailer to this documentary on our Facebook page. And you can also find them on Facebook as well under For the Love of Dogs movie. Um, And you can watch the trailer and stuff and just kind of follow them and and see when they come to your city. Um, But was that somebody said um, that he, that interacting with dogs is so great for him because he doesn't have to read the body language, but it's, struck me as curious because dogs are nonverbal and they communicate exclusively through body language, energy, you know, movement, stuff like that. So I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I would say, Julie, is Mm -hmm. I think that dogs pick up on your, on the, on people's, um, so they're reading him better than they're reading him. Yeah. They understand him. That makes sense. He doesn't have to look at a dog's face and see like, right. oh, they're annoyed with me because I'm talking too much. Right. You know? Yep. And so the etiquette that, stuff, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And it's um, there's no no judgment when it comes to, mm-hmm. to dogs. As, yeah. as you saw in the film, um, several people said that they would almost rather be around dogs than people oh, yeah. because they're accepted <laughs> and yeah. they just, they love you no matter what your day was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So he doesn't, he knows that they just get him. They just get him. And I think it's easier for him because he doesn't have to read social cues from a dog. Right. No pressure. Exactly. Yeah. And it really, I saw him really practicing some of the stuff that I assume he's learned through interacting with people around their dogs, like 
asking somebody if he can pet their dog or, you know, where that's been a, a context for him to practice those social interactions through talking with people around, you know, around the topic of their dog. And people without Asperger's do that, too. I mean, absolutely. You know, that's a way. I mean, I my expertise is in training and behavior. And of course, I have the show. And if I'm at any sort of function, if it's a party or anywhere where I'm meeting people, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I'm an expert in dog training and behavior. Oh, my dog, blah, 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 blah. you know, and it's just like this yeah. instant bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. I think that was why we did this film. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I said, Corey was always into going to the zoos, and it's difficult to interact with people at a zoo. They don't, you know, it's not their pet that's behind that fence. It's, you know, a, a wild animal. Mm-hmm. When Corey could walk into a dog park or a pet store and approach somebody and ask them something about their dog, they wanted to discuss it. They were so excited, as most dog owners are, to mm-hmm. tell you all about their dog, tell them the name. And then when Corey knew so much information mm-hmm. about their breed, people were so fascinated by him. And I think that was what kind of hit me as his mom, that he was making this connection with people and understanding the give and take of conversation because he could approach people the right way about their dog. And they were receptive to him, yeah. um, which was, which was new for him. Yeah. One of the, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was um, when there was a, when he was at the dog show and there was a woman, you know, he's walking around telling people, things about their dogs specifically if they were a you know winning dog in past shows or at Westminster or whatever you know he's rat he's he's telling people the things about breed standard that most people don't even know even people who are involved in the breeds i mean the yes. ability to retain information is just staggering but one of my favorite interactions was this woman who was like all excited because she was like trying to throw him a curveball with like asking him questions. And I think yeah. it was about like a Bichon or something. And she was like, uh, you know, what group are they recognized in, in Europe? And he was like toy, I think. And she's yeah. like, she's like, I thought I had him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool yeah. for him to, for people to really embrace that, those parts of him that just are and like engage with him in that way. And just like ask him kind of trivia questions. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, we filmed for a day and a half at the National Dog Show and uh, a day at Westminster. I think we had probably 26 hours worth of footage um, that we put into this 26-minute film. Yeah. And there were so many interactions like yeah. that. It was, you know, in editing it, I know that Tim O'Donnell, the uh, the filmmaker, had said to me, it's so much to choose from. We had so much great stuff. And it was really just exciting for me to see Corey kind of shine um, mm-hmm. as a as a, an individual yeah. at, at these places and mm-hmm. really be so accepted by the dog community. Yeah. Um, so you won the audience award at the International Film Festival in Boston, which is my home city. Oh, okay. Um, I grew up outside of Boston. And well, this was at the Somerville Theater. Are you familiar okay. with that? That's where we showed. Nice. Um, you said you're from the East Coast. Are you from Mass? No, I actually 
I'm from Michigan okay. and went to Penn State, and we wound up um, in New York, New Jersey area, and then oh. moved out to Scottsdale, Arizona about six years ago. Okay. Um, so people can find you on Facebook. It's um, The documentary is titled For the Love of Dogs, and you can find them on Facebook if you search for For the Love of Dogs movie. I'll post Correct. I'll post links to all of your info on our Facebook page and also on our home page. But people can also just search directly through you. Um, and I also posted a link to the movie's trailer on our Facebook page. Um, okay. Other anything else? Um, other places people can find you online or are you guys yeah, pretty much? Um, we we now have um, a Twitter feed which is at Love of Dogs Movie. Um, and we are also on Instagram. You can find us there as well. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, we we keep people posted on all of the film festivals mm-hmm. uh, that were in on that Facebook page, on Twitter. Um, and we've got two coming up in New York City this month. So okay. we're really excited and um, appreciate you helping us out, Julie. Sure. With getting the word out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell Corey that there's now 271 episodes of The Dog Show archived, and it's just all about dogs, uh, pretty much anything you can imagine. And I've talked to some pretty awesome um, scientists and directors of organizations. So if he's passionate about dogs, we are a free podcast on iTunes. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. And you can go through on our website, too, which is dogradioshow.com, and just go to the podcast page and scroll through all the episodes and he can pick ones out that are especially, maybe they all will be, but that are sort of especially of interest to him. So I I hope he enjoys them. Well, um, again, the documentary is about um, Heather's son, Corey, who has, is it Asperger's syndrome? Yeah. Okay. Um, Asperger's syndrome, which is a form of autism, um, basically uh, to kind of oversimplify these People are incredibly intelligent, almost, I mean, the memory retention is just unbelievable, the stuff that they can just soak in, like kind of suck in mentally, but then there are challenges socially, Um, you know, reading social cues, that kind of stuff, looking people in the eyes, like you said, and this film is about Corey's um, love and passion for dogs and how that is really helping him connect with people, and it's really sweet. So I wish you guys the best of luck. I would love to send Corey some dog show stickers um, that have our website on it, and I hope he gets to listen to the show and enjoys it. And I, I wish you and the film the best of luck. Thank you so much, Julie. And tell Corey I think he's pretty awesome. I will. All right. I will. Thank you All right, good, for having the show. Yep. Good luck and keep us posted. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Such a great story. I love all of the ways that dogs help us connect to not only others, but to the best of ourselves as well. So, again, the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show is this weekend at CenturyLink Field Event Center. And uh, we'll be there all weekend in our booth. Be sure to come by and say hi. We're right in the middle of things on the main floor there. Um, There's all sorts of great demonstrations going on. During the weekend, you can go to seattledogshow.org or seattlekennelclub.org to find out the schedule of events during the weekend. Please do come by and say hi, and thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.
been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.